This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Love Sport Radio and this is the Brentford Fan Show. Me, Matt Beadle, with the guys from Besotted. Billy the Bee, XG Dave and Robin Hood. Now, hey. we, there we go. Hey. What a good start to the show, gents. We're going to be looking back at the Preston match, of course, from the weekend and hearing what both Preston and Brentford fans had to say about the game after after the game, sorry, about their team's performance. We're going to be listening to the thoughts, of course, of head coach Thomas Frank. And we are going to look at Brentford this season. £30 million spent, two wins, lots of XG, not as much end product. We ask whether Brentford are underperforming this season. We look at how other teams have addressed their issues. And we question whether Brentford are being too rigid with their approach. Gents, it's lovely to have you here what a lovely weekend it's been in terms of the weather. Hasn't it been beautiful? Today, so I've been talking oh. about anything else but the, the word with the P and the E and the N in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the so one with the letters, yeah. That's right. So the, the weather was lovely. Oh, it was beautiful, really, wasn't it? It was fantastic. Yeah, Tooting Lido, that's where I was, uh, having a little lie down in the sun, enjoying it, enjoying myself, keeping thoughts away from football, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was by the Thames as well, Chiswick and uh, Brentford Way. And yeah, it was absolutely gorgeous. It was yeah, glorious. Beautiful. I mean, obviously I was up north as well, which was, which was lovely. We won't talk about that. <laughs> uh, and uh, yesterday as well, I, I actually had a bit of green. I was on the, I was on the grass and green. I was actually over in, over in Walthamstow, E17 way as well, on like, sort of hogging the, the sides of the football pitch and a sweltering weather, watching sort of under 10s and under 11s sort of run around, sort of chasing the ball around as well. So uh, I found it very hard to get away from the football, but at least the weather was marvellous mm. it was indeed I was actually in Formentera in the Beelirics Ireland alright for some rain, yeah. rain and wind so, oh. uh, so there you go <laughs> not alright for some yeah. no not alright for some now Billy am I allowed to, to now move on to the pressing matter at hand I mean I'm finding it really hard I, I, I've sort of kind of shut my mind off to it for two days but I suppose we have to approach the, the, the word or the, with the three letters the P the N and the E don't we <laughs> we do we do it was of course a defeat at the weekend now I did speak to you before the show Billy and I raised a couple of points about the fact that this is the best home start for Preston this season at Deepdale in 44 years they've got a 100% <clears throat> record at Deepdale in all competitions this season possession was good from Brentford shots on goal were good corners were good is this helping? No. Not really. No, <laughs> you're trying, but I think no, it is. <laughs> no, no. I mean, as you say good. <clears throat> Superior. Yes, good. The question is, I suppose, as are Brentford good, as good as we really think they are? Um, at the moment, <clears throat> if we're being pretty brutal, probably not. That's the, that's the real cutting matter, I think. Um, lots, lots just doesn't feel right at the moment. There's a few things that are okay, but there's probably a bit more that's not. I think formation-wise, are we getting the best out of the players? Are we... Are we playing players in the right positions quick enough? Are we learning from sort of the last, well, the last few months, last few months of last season? I'm not sure we are at the moment, no. 
Uh, I, I agree with Dave. I think we're not as good as we think we are. I think there's obviously a quite a few new players being integrated into the team. We've um, used that. Uh, I'm not going to call it an excuse uh, already this season, but uh, it's something that Thomas Frank brought up in his um, assessment of the game as well. Uh, yeah, I just I think maybe not necessarily complacency, but we're certainly not at the level we should be considering how good we look on paper, uh, the amount of money we spent on players, which we'll get to. Yeah, it's just something's just not quite right at the moment. I mean, other teams integrate players. You know, we talk about this gelling thing. We've you know we've bought into this gelling thing, but the other, on the other hand, we've got to realise that we have spent quite a lot of money, and a lot of the reason why you buy spend a lot of money is because you're uh, meant to be buying players which are a little bit a little bit more inverted commas match ready as they say beforehand we'll spend 500 grand or a million pounds and say we've got to spend you know half a season or a season to get these guys match ready but now you buy these players and they're spending more money on them and technically you sort of think they'll be a little bit more match ready but I think the discussion that we had in the production meeting in the pub beforehand which we were all on orange juice thank you very much Preston well, technically Dave was on ginger beer but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's yep. right um, <laughs> the thing that we were saying is that we were sort of thinking that this team actually may be even less match ready than the team that we actually spent three million pounds on which is a little bit worrying wow so you actually think that that's the case this season less convincing uh, maybe tell you something maybe it's just the Preston game really I mean if you listen to and we're going to listen to the fans in a minute but if you listen to it everyone is so down they're so down on it because maybe because we were so good against Derby that we think actually oh we're so terrible here now the question that we're all also asking is that were we really good at Derby or were Derby really terrible were Derby this season's um Rotherham we played Rotherham first match of the season last season. We beat them 5-1. We thought, oh man, we're the best team in the world. And after that, we kind of like just kind of sort of just went down from there. And we're just wondering whether or not Derby are the new Rotherham. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're quite that bad. But I think we kind of caught Derby cold. A little bit how we caught Stoke, uh, sort of new manager. I'm not quite sure Stoke last season when we actually gave them a bit of a whipping at Griffin Park. Didn't beat them up. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 the 3-1, three, oh, yes. I thought yeah, you yeah. went the 1-0. No, 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 not the first one. When they came back to Griffin Park, Nathan Jones' first match. Um, but Koku, a little bit cold, not quite sure what he was doing. And then, give him some credit, though. I think he, he looks like he's learned already and then a much better performance against Cardiff. So, maybe we caught them cold, maybe we caught them out of position and it made us look better than we were. Possibly, possibly. Could be a bit of that in there. OK, we're going to listen to some audio. Before we do, you were in the pub doing the audio, as you always do. Yes. Was the pub at least good up there? I'll tell you something. <laughs> we keep saying this, and I know like, fans that you know maybe not being there think, oh, God, this just sounds so boring, and we don't want to hear it. We got beaten. But Preston is the best away day, as far as we're concerned, because they are so friendly. They met us off the train. We got there at 10.30 in the morning. They met us off the train. They took us to all sorts of random places as they take us. This is brilliant. So we, we, I think we did sort of four, five pubs before the match, including one, which if you go downstairs into the basement is actually got a well so it's a well in the middle of the pub and the floor you can see the water sort of seeping yeah, it's, down it's we couldn't fish three points out of that it's yeah. a real shame uh, no it was my first time to Preston um, I put my Preston cherry so you could say and it was it was one of uh, if, aside from the football it was one of the be- best away games I've, I've been to in terms of the, the people up there uh, the butter pies which I could wax lyrical about for a whole hour if you've got the time um, yeah it was absolutely what's great. in a butter pie uh, butter and pie uh, no it's, it's sort of like it's sort of like a, um, a mixture of sort of mashed potato onions cheese and butter uh, in a pastry pie it's, pretty, it's the most unhealthy sounding thing in the world but it tastes it so great, yeah. good oh, it was really really brilliant and also to all the people um, uh, that welcomed essentially welcomed us all into Preston yeah it was a really really good day out despite the football it's fantastic I know I probably say this in every show that we do but I don't think I've known fans who attend football in the way that you guys attend football it really is really is fantastic right we've got that fan audio from the pub after the game it was a bit like to me it looked like we'd spent the um, the, the international break 
uh, overtraining and, um, and basically came out with no energy. There was no energy at all. Uh, you could see the shape and everything. You, I mean, it was the same team that took Derby apart. And they basically wore us down. And we had nothing in response to them today. We, we had no energy. Uh, we lacked ideas going forward. It was as good as the game against Derby was. This was very poor. I thought we lost the game in midfield. We didn't dominate there at all. And really, we created so little. I only remember a couple of chances. Ben Rama shot in the first half. Brian from Troy shot in the second half. Set piece is poor as well. We never really got any corners in past the first man. Just a very poor performance. Well, I thought we were so good against Derby. I thought fair enough to start with the same team. But I thought potentially at half time, it wasn't working. I would have maybe brought on Cameron and even De Silva then to shake it up a bit. The, the, the major problem was we didn't carry the ball from midfield going forward where we did at home. And we actually looked very good when we carried the ball forward. Nobody did that today. We more or less tried to pass sideways and we didn't advance. When we play at home, it's totally different to when we play away. We will never play away like we play at home. I don't know why. Maybe that's the instructions from the manager, the coaches or whatever. What if you if you do something really really well? Why change something when you go away? You don't want to hear this. <laughs> you don't want to hear this. But you are the best team we've played. You are, and it's of no it's of no consequence. That is yeah. it. Stoke, Wigan, and who else do we? Chefwed. Chefwed. You're better than them. So how bad were they? <laughs> First off, you came at us, but you you you, you didn't look like you're going to score, and that's the thing, isn't it? We were backstep at wall, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. End at second half, half, yeah. First half. We had the first 10, 15 minutes and then you were on it, weren't you? I think um, we had the first 15 minutes, obviously got a goal. And then you had up to half-time, but without really threatening us. And then I think the manager did a job on you second half. I think we, we didn't let you in our half. You didn't really have a lot of chances. Um, I think without really, really pushing ourselves... It, we, it was a comfortable victory in the end. People keep coming up with this um, industrious Preston and hashtag teams like Preston, but we're a good team. We have got a very, very good team. We've got a left back player, uh, a right back playing at left back today, who's who's played the ball of his life for the second goal. We've played with three up front. We've we've got a very, very good team. We've got players missing. Our best player in the team, Ben Pearson, didn't play today. And I think we've won. We've won at a canter. So I think people are underestimating us at the peril. Really, don't don't say poor Preston, industrious Preston. We're we're a good a good football team. We're just understated. We we haven't spent thirty million. We've spent five million. I thought I thought against Derby we were where we needed to be and and it seems like we've gone back two steps i think we probably need another two games to get back to where we and it, we, we we can't be doing that all the time otherwise you're otherwise you're reverting to brentford of like 10 years ago this is a very different brentford you're right you know we spent 30 million and I, i'm not i'm not saying that we should be champions league but we should be more consistently quality than we are we looked worse than we did than we, when we played preston here last year today let, let, let's see what happens let's see what happens next Saturday if we if we if we're shocking again next Saturday I, I would say there's underlying problems well that was the audio from after the game gents didn't look like scoring no energy lacked ideas never play away like we play at home those are all the things that stuck out for me the other one I have to say is the Preston fans saying you are the best team we've played all season <laughs> we hear that all the, we hear that all the time yeah. even when even when we've we've lost 3-0 fans always tell us oh you played some fantastic football you look really good going for the best team we've played all season and we're like really 
<laughs> and I think that's that's part of the. You know, I think that's going to be part of the discussion. That's why it's even a, more annoying, isn't it? We're going to have a little bit more for discussion after the break as well, or after the half. You know, after half eight, we will go into this a little bit more because yeah, we play this great football. Everything is you know brilliant. We've got the xG, the stats, everything is fine, but the results aren't consistent enough. And we got to ask the question: <clears throat> Are we doing something wrong? You know, we got teams that have got really terrible xG, terrible stats, and they keep winning and, and they keep beating us. Mm. So. <laughs> Do we have to turn something on its head? Well, Declan Rudd, you found a goalkeeper who was in decent form, I suppose. But the goals themselves were sloppy. Maguire was left completely <coughs> alone for his goal. Barkhausen was another man who was on his own mm. in the box. And again, for the second goal, when Darnell Fisher crossed it in and was completely on his own, having come up from right back. So there are weaknesses in defence, which we thought was going to be <coughs> the strong point for Brentford this season. Eh? Yes, and yeah, well, so it has been a strong point. We are, yeah, defensively, we are strong. We're good. Like, I think shots per game, we're the, we're the lowest in the league. We, not many teams are getting shots against us. I think it's just more fundamental bits within game. So I think Preston had four shots against us. But if you watch those two goals, everyone sort of got sucked into the side and left out a spare man on, on the overload side. So it was on the left on the first goal. Um, Rico was cut out on the left again on the on the second as well, and then the ball was just played into spare man. So uh, I, I don't know what Frank's Frank's lo- he loves this three at the back. He's obsessed with this three at the back. I don't, I don't know when he's going to move away from it. He might not. But is is there too many in there? Are they all sort of when they, when they are under pressure? Are they sort of like getting in together and getting each other's way, or are they, they actually thinking positions? I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure. We've chopped and changed around a little bit now. Is it is it overcomplicated at the back there? Do we? We've just bought Pontus Pontus Janssen, probably one of the one of the best. Well, he pretty much voted the best centre back in the league by his peers last year. He could command this centre back like sort of unit on his own. Does he need sort of two centre backs with him? Are we too overloaded there? And then when we do get tight and when we are under pressure, so the analogy someone, is: is it too many cooks spoiling the broth? Maybe, maybe so. I mean, he's good enough to command there on his own with just one central partner and a deep line defensive midfielder. And that's probably what we might get onto later. Are, are we are we overcooking at the back there? And then when we are getting isolated. We're not sort of moving around quick enough. No, absolutely. Plenty more of this analysis coming up on the Brentford Fan Show and Love Sport. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. This is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the guys from Besotted. Robin Hood, XG Dave and Billy the Bee. Grant, we are still reflecting on the clash with Preston North End this weekend a 2-0 defeat and we're going to touch on what some of the fans talked about there in terms of never playing away like we do when we play at home Billy what is the crack with this because it is one win away from home Mm. and one win at Griffin Park this season but it's more defeats away from home it is more defeats and also we have to start hop back to last season as well where we hadn't won an away game till if I remember rightly it was was January Rotherham as well who you know, obviously they got relegated in the end so uh, yeah we, we played uh, we, we beat Rotherham we also beat uh, Middlesbrough which ironically is the team that we've actually beaten this time um, and we haven't beaten Middlesbrough for ages so is it a case that Middlesbrough is just getting worse <laughs> and then the other team that we beat we actually didn't even play them it was Bolton Wanderers like you know so we didn't even turn up and we beat them so it's a bit of a strange one so we're, we're not doing great away from home we beat Borough and we thought it was a great victory fantastic victory but the point is actually really they could have beaten us when we when we went up there in the first half. They had a couple of chances. Uh, they they claimed the referee was uh, was a Brentford fan. You know, <laughs> I don't think he was. Nice easy argument. Yeah, that's mm. right. So yeah, so it didn't quite work. But so th- that happened now, now. Now, like I said to you, since then, like I said to you, um, Charlton game very disappointing. But we're just wondering whether or not again we still don't quite have the handle of playing away. Do we play a different type of football? 
um you know we, we can't quite work it out no no <laughs> um it's confusing yeah we are yeah as we said in the fans part earlier that's we don't play the same as we do away from home and yeah, they kind of got a point but Ironically, this time, so Frank kept the exact same team that he played. Uh, there were no changes from the home match against Derby, so he took that team away. And um, I, don't, I don't know if that was the right decision. That's, what, that's what's kind of bugging me a little bit. I think going away from home, Canos, yeah, he's given them a chance to play right wing back. Early on pressure, they, they raided that left-hand side, and there could have been a couple of goals earlier on down that side. And then we also had uh, Pinnock, who I thought would have come in to just sort of deal with some of the aerial bombardment. That centre-back Pinnock. Yes, uh, Ethan Pinnock, yeah, so left on the back three. That would have been his position to sort of deal with those aerial diagonals that they kept playing to Rico. And it just it just kind of it didn't feel right. And yeah. I I take a slightly different view to this. Um you can t- I mean, if you're assessing sort of away away versus home, um you can sort of talk all about the sort of the fact that it's home advantage, or you can talk about the fact that the away you know, away games G up a bit more of a competitive side in you, you want to beat the team away from home. Different pitch widths, different pitch lengths, you know, the cut of the grass, the general weather, the conditions, the slope, all that kind of thing. I think these are professional footballers and they should be able to p- damn well play as well away from home as they will, as, as, as they do um, on home soil. I think that there is obviously an intimidation in going to a ground. And I thought um, Deepdale, really lovely ground, um, close to the pitch, quite intimidating. But I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not buying that we need to play differently away from home in order to get a result. These are professional footballers. You set up a team, you look at who you're playing against and you find the weak spots uh, to target and to try and beat them. Yeah, that's interesting you're saying that. Actually, is are we <clears throat> so are we looking at the, who we're playing enough? Maybe that's not what we're doing. Maybe we've got a particular way of playing that we are structured to play now, and we're sort of we're forced to we're forced to sit in that, and it might not be the right formation. Well, we, to play. We, we, we often talk about this, and it's it's <laughs> it's a phrase that goes around around the WhatsApp groups, around the pub, uh, around the postmaster, um, the Brentford way. Mm. It's it's become something of a sort of an unwritten rule that that Brentford have to have a certain style about them, and our style is often very very much short passing, intricate movement, using the width and um, have we gotten and maybe that is the question maybe we've gotten too sort of far down the rabbit hole of um, playing the Brentford way and we're so obsessed with that that the result and the opposition doesn't necessarily come to the forefront as much as it should Is there an element here chaps and I just want to break it up a little (coughs) bit and suggest that we're jumping the gun at all because this show was so great after being Derby <laughs> and it was like, do you know what? Here we go. This is this is good. And Bueno <clears throat> looked great. Ollie Watkins looked great. This is this is the Brentford that are now going to kickstart the season. And we're a couple of weeks on. One more game on. Of course, there was the international break, and suddenly we're a bit like. What's going to happen? And, and that's true. And, and football fans are like that. You know, you can't <laughs> help it. That's just what we're like. But on the other hand, the, I think the question that we start to ask is actually, you know, and we said it before, we're actually Derby not very good. You know, so because the fact is that they were really lethargic. They just they just kept giving the ball back to us. Every time we gave the ball to them, mm. they just kept passing it back to us. We're like, well, hey, <laughs> we hit them down, you know, down the wings. We just hit them down the wings where we knew they were going to be really weak. And we, we did what we had to do. And, and also the other thing is that we were at home and Brentford are at home. And, and, and I know you might say it's different home and away, but we knew exactly what we had to do at home. Mm. We had to basically be offensive. We had to go out there. We had to, 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 to bombard them. Yes, but coming to Preston... Obviously, you've got to be a little bit canny. You know, you're it's going to be cuter, hasn't it? Yeah, Alex Neal. He, he got Norwich promoted to the to, to the Premier not, um, to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, it didn't go very well after that. But he's taken a Preston team with not very much money, and he's plucked players out from here, there, and everywhere, and he's moulded them, and, and he's kind of made them sort of 
slightly, un- I say unbeatable, but p- teams are thinking we actually don't really want to play Preston because they're they're a little bit, you know, sometimes with Nottingham Forest or maybe with Sheffield Wednesday, we know what we're going to do to them. You know, they've got certain sort of big name players, so you know, if we do that, we'll we might we might be able to take them out. But with Preston. I think you know it's more of a close knit. The player they play play for themselves again. You know, quite similar to what we say about Charlton. But there's also there's some skill there, mm. and also there's, there's they've got they've got a plan. You know, <laughs> I th- I th- I, th- I think we're looking at Preston the way a lot of teams have looked at, uh, at us over the past couple of years. Sort of um, quite small, and you take that you you underestimate their ability to get results out of the game. And a lot of the and a lot of the time over the past uh, couple of seasons, the the hashtag teams like Brentford has come up. Um, a lot and has become a bit of a running joke within within the Brentford fan fan base. Um, but are we starting to think? I, I, I hope we're not getting to the stage when we're starting mm-hmm. to think. So, oh, we should be beating teams like Preston because it's not the case. I mean, we did tweet it at Besotted just for a bit of a laugh. <laughs> we, we did actually put it out there we should oh, no. be beat, we should be beating teams like Preston. And then there's um, a fishing emoji. There's a fishing well, emoji yeah. afterwards. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> nice. Now, now because we're good chums with Preston, they knew it was a bit of a joke, but they still we had a little bit of a as they use the word banter, you know, coming back off the back of that, but. The reason why we do that is that a lot of people um, say that about us. We should be beating teams like Brentford. Yeah. So Brentford, Preston and Barnsley are three teams. We always like club together and we sort of get into a, we should be beating teams like Mode, you see. So, um, but we should be beating teams like <laughs> Preston though, shouldn't we? <laughs> but no, I th- and I think we're, we're being, without being too unkind to Preston, they were very unspectacular on Saturday. We were just, we were just really poor. Mm. Uh, and that's, that, that's the way I saw it. Okay. Well, we heard from the fans, lacked energy, no energy, lacked ideas weren't looking like scoring. Let's hear from head coach Thomas Frank. I think the best team won the game today. I think they played the game better than us. It was too much on their terms today. We didn't control the game game enough. Too much an open game uh, in, in the first half. Last five minutes, I think we, we did good and we created some opportunities. Uh, second half was slightly better without us really being on the top of the game. And then they had, I think, four shots in the game. They had two chances to score two goals, so they were very efficient. Uh, we know that that, that didn't help uh, that much. But we need to do more, of course, on the ball t- today. I think there was too many too many simple mistakes, passing mistakes, decision-making, uh, touches, uh, stuff like that. I think if you want to be a good side or a good, a good team, you need to overcome setback during the season in the game. Um, and we need to manage uh, to do that because no matter how well you're doing in a game, they can put it to uh, to the top corner on a, on a world, and we we need to to control that. So that was the disappointing thing. We didn't get into the game quicker and didn't raise our level um, high enough on the offensive side. Also, I spoke about after the derby game. Talked about it's a new team and it was clicking. It was really promising. Uh, but we we know that it will still take some time. So those relations just be bang on, especially when it's not like a, a straightforward game uh, like today. It is disappointing because our expectation, like everybody all everybody else raced after the last last game um, but we definitely show today there's a lot to work on still and there's nothing better to to get a new new game as quick as possible when you don't perform well you want to show the fans you want to show um, everybody that we we know we're much more than this today uh, that's why it's so uh, disappointing uh, and that's a, a top opportunity to show that on, on Saturday against uh, against Stoke. So, last thing, thank you for the fans for for them to travel up here. It, it means a lot to us. I, I would have wished we could have given them so much more, um, but we need to do that on Saturday. Those were the thoughts of head coach Thomas Frank. Of course, we had the standard. It seems like we can start every single interview that he does with a click. But very honest, he was very honest about the team <coughs> performance there. He was very frank. It, he, he was, was very frank. frank. He was flat frank, wasn't he? 
Um, yeah, listening to that back, it's it sort of catches a little bit. You can hear he's mm. he sounded quite upset there. He wasn't he wasn't great. He wasn't bubbly, and he knew that they'd probably deserve to win that actually, which is even more upsetting. Um, I think I think he probably felt like he, he made a few mistakes himself, and I think he saw them play out. I, something we spoke about in the pre-production meeting: uh, no alcohol. It mm. was um, Brian from Trois, so he went away on international duty. He got 60 minutes. He got taken off on 60 minutes. Was he was he ready to start that match? I don't know. I mean, looking at it, he didn't look like he was to me. And I think probably conceded that that wasn't the right decision. A couple of other selections probably didn't go their way as well. I he, mean, you're talking about Brian. <clears throat> I mean, he had the, a very good chance for Brentford. It didn't yeah. register on the, if whenever you say XG or the, or the shots scale, because no. the, yeah, the ball that came through, <clears throat> great ball that came through. He got the first touch on it, and unfortunately the first touch on it, and the ball just went away from him. It so was, yeah. he didn't even register a shot on that. And it's interestingly because the Preston fans actually said to me, "Oh my God, that 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 Brian Wimbuemo, um player, he's 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 got a Hugilless touch because obviously yeah. Hugill used to play for uh, for, for Preston yeah. as That's... well. So they they thought he's got a terrible touch. But I mean, I thought that his touch a couple of weeks ago was actually quite good. Well, a couple of weeks ago is fantastic. So you t- we re- rewind two weeks, and um, he's really getting to grips with the league. Uh, Looked really good against Derby. Scored scored midweek for French under twenty ones. Set up a couple of goals. A young player, uh, nineteen, just turned twenty. A lot of football in a couple of weeks. Is has Frank put him in? Has Frank put too much pressure on him in a really short space of time? And I think it backfired a little bit. Yeah, I think he had actually. He didn't look. It the, the touch Brett, uh, Billy mentioned there. He did that a couple of times. There was a few times where he was down on the byline, through on goal, or. Just needed to put it, yeah, just steady himself, and the ball was going out for miles. It was very heavy. I think it's the first time, I'm, I completely agree with you. I think it's the first time in his uh, 11, 12 months, tenure, how long he's been uh, at the helm, that um, he's not he's not quite sounded right And after interviews. Usually there's a real bubble of real enthusiasm about the way he speaks, the way he comes across. If you watch um, the videos of his interviews as well, it's really good facial expressions, really forward thinking, really motivated. Um, I actually watched the video of this audio that we just heard, and he, he, he looked really, really genuinely. Um, genuinely sad I mean he says too many mistakes the thing is that you know we hear that quite a lot too many mistakes and I know you know we talk about teams and developing and gelling and getting there but you know we we, we just hear it so many times mm. too many mistakes and it's kind of like how how long could you go on when you got you know when, <clears throat> when are the mistakes going to stop Funny, he, he did just say mistakes he didn't say whether or not they were his or his players and I think that's quite indicative I think that, that there were mistakes from him in terms of a tactical perspective and from the players as well yeah well, I agree yeah a combination of both he wasn't sort of picking a side though was he um, diff- yeah it was it was just difficult to listen to I, I think he'd probably given them a rollicking actually because they were all quite flat he'd have really had probably a bit of talking to after that one he did mention expectations raised though obviously mm. after the Derby game so again you know as Matt says there does that put it into a different perspective you know did we if we got beaten 3-0 by Derby would we be going into that game with a different perspective and actually probably come out of that saying that wasn't too bad that we lost <laughs> 2-0 to Preston <laughs> no absolutely right we are going to carry on this discussion fellas it is the Brentford fan show on Lost but next, we're going to be looking into the fact as to whether Brentford are really as good as we think they are. We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter, or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. It is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, with the guys from Besotted. Billy the Big Grant, XG Dave and Robin Hood. If you want to join the debate, it's very easy to get in touch. 0208 558. You can WhatsApp us on that number or you can tweet us <laughs> at Love Sport Radio. Now, 
XG Dave, you've been reading some articles online. I have, yeah, I've been trying to read. Yeah, it's not my strong point, but yeah, <laughs> I do read a lot. Numbers are more my thing, but no, no, I have been reading. Um, yeah, so just picking up on something. Um, so The Athletic, a brand new media company out this year in the UK, they're trying to sort of disrupt the media market. And but essentially take over the world is what they're doing. They're trying slowly and they're yeah, giving it a good go. But what, what they do is they have these journalists who sort of look at individual clubs and sort of write predominantly on those clubs. And sort of have, So I was just picked up on something from Leeds. It's quite interesting. So Stuart Dallas, a player we'll all know quite well, we picked him up a number of years ago. Um, absolute pennies. I think we could afford him around this table. He was about 15 grand uh, he cost from a Northern Irish club called Crusaders. And we brought him in and he's just one of those players that we just identified really early. And he's just a, a, a really good talent. But we always looked at him and we thought he's got a ceiling. So we played him sort of left wing, right wing, those forward wide positions worked really hard for us, um, sort of filled in a few positions. But um, sort of ran his course and we uh, we actually accepted a bid from Leeds and Leeds took him and um, we it's were about, like, but was it about 1.5 about 1.5 yeah, million it was around that, that yeah it was, so it was, it was, for a good it profit, was when though, we yeah. were sort of making yeah we were looking at players with, I mean you, that's a lot of money like you're, you're making a lot of money on that player so send him on we thought okay we can do better than this uh, so he's gone to Leeds and um, had a couple of years there sort of in those four positions but I think what happened at Leeds they actually looked at him and thought okay, is he that good in these four positions or do we have the potential to sort of move this player a little bit further back? And in the last couple of seasons particularly, um, Dallas has quietly been turned into sort of a right wing back and probably one of the best in the country. So what we're trying to get at here is that we're we're kind of doing something similar. We spoke about this last week with Sergi Canos. We're looking at him now and we're thinking, is he that good in the four positions? Can we do better there? Should we be moulding him and sort of bringing him back and turning him into this, this wide right play? And... I guess we're trying to get a, a, a something. Did we miss something with Dallas? And have we missed something with Sergio? And we, have we just sat on this for a year and a half? And are we quick enough to understand when something isn't working, whether or not maximising it? And should we should we have just picked this up earlier? It just seems like we're getting it now, but it's just very slow. And it just feels like we're off the pulse, if you see what I mean. I mean and it's not only that. I mean, we're, we're looking at this and it's a big discussion in the pub after Preston on Saturday, on the train on the way home and just within the WhatsApp crew. We've got a squad of very talented players, obviously very expensive players. And the question is, we're asking, but obviously there's a load of Brentford fans and even sort of pundits and a bit asking, are we getting the best out of these players? Whether or not, you know, individually we're getting the best out of these players, whether or not they're playing in the right positions, whether or not we've got the right players on the pitch at the right time, whether or not they've been given the right instructions, the right tactics, are we getting the best out of these players? And the question might be asked is if, if somebody else, and we're just throwing it out there, came in and decided to give our players, he said, you've got free reign, you can do what you want with their players, but could somebody else come in and maybe do something differently? You know, would he, would he go, actually, I'm not going to fight three at the back? I'll go four at the back. This three at the back nonsense. I'm not having any of that, you know. Or you know, what I'm going to do? These two midfielders you're playing. Why are you playing them? Why don't you get those two on the? They're brilliant. I'm going to play those two. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we're sort of thinking with somebody else actually do something differently with our same team. So dare I dare I read into what you're saying there, Billy? Are you suggesting someone to come in and just offer a different approach or are you suggesting someone completely new in the dugout no we're just we're just wondering whether because what the moment now what we're sitting down is that we're doing things in a particular way so say for example if it was even if it's thomas frank you know he's doing things in one particular way but let's take a different thought process and whether or not thomas says actually 
I've decided that three at the back isn't right. I'm going to go four at the back. Or whether or not it's Frank Smith or, you know, would, what, what would Bielsa do if he was given our squad? It'd be interesting. I mean, that's, that's a question that we throw out there. What, what would Bielsa do? Would he, <laughs> would, he, would he bin half of them and bring in half of the, the B team and say, tell you something, these players are much better than what you've got there. It's just, it's just quite an interesting thought I think process. It, I think it is as well. And, I th- and that's, it's something that I don't necessarily think my, is um, Thomas Frank is the only person ever that's been guilty of. But there, there, there doesn't seem to be that plan B. Plan A, Plan B seems to be reinforcing Plan A. That's the sort of thing, and, and sort of trying to do Plan A slightly differently. Um, I think, if I think back to the start of Thomas Frank's um, reign, where he went sort of seven or eight games, where I think we had one win, one draw, and seven or eight losses. I can't remember the exact stats, um, but there was this feeling amongst Brentford fans, and it was very, very rife, very, very prevalent. And we actually did a podcast. I remember doing an online pod with all um, with yourself and Liberal Nick and Matt Allard and. Uh, and Laney, oh, and uh, <laughs> and um, we were talking about do 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 the players know how Thomas Frank wants them to play? And I remember an incident. It was um, in his first game against when we lost to uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Aston Villa, but um, we we lost at home. Uh, and um, I distinctly remember Chris Meppham getting into an, uh, sort of an, an argument on the touchline with with Thomas Frank. Lots of gesticulating, lots of uh, lots of arguments, and it just seemed to be that they didn't quite know how. Thomas Frank wants us to play, so he's just come in, he's just replaced Dean Smith, and there just seemed to be that miscommunication of how um, the players were supposed to be fulfilling their duties. <coughs> now, if we fast forward to the start of this season, as Billy alluded to earlier, and as Billy mentioned earlier, we've got a lot of very new, very expensive players. You know, you've got Pontus, Pinnock, Buemo, Valencia, Jensen, Norgard, the very, very long list, David Ryer and Goal. Now, are these players suffering a similar, going, undergoing a similar sort of transition that, that happened at the start of Thomas Frank's reign. It's a new squad, and they just don't. I just think that sometimes on that pitch they don't look like they know how um, know how they how he wants them to play. Uh, yeah, I'll follow that up. I think you I think you're really hitting on something there, Robin. Yeah. So if we think about Frank when he came in and his first uh, f- yeah first few games, it was it was an absolute nightmare. That's when we were probably at our weakest for a really long time. But what impressed me a lot about him, and this is probably the why I'm yeah sort of quite enamoured him actually because he looked at the problem and he, he he went to three at the back and that was a really bold move we hadn't seen it throughout our time here it was just unthinkable and he's really shored us up so we've gone from this really leaky side to this side that defensively is just really really strong and uh, yeah completely changed our outlook of how defending should look and that sort of block of five moving flexible wing backs and it, it has changed us and it made us stronger and it's, it's made us better but I, I, felt, I felt this a bit last at the end of last season as well I felt like not outgrown it, but I think it served its purpose. We've we've sort of shut down games. We got better defensively. Goals against dropped. XG against dropped. Uh, we improved, but now I kind of my feeling is we're kind of out the other side of this now, and we're we're still sticking with this because it might be what Frank wants for the long term, and this might be this might be the only way he can play, or the, the only thing he trusts us going forward. Does. Is there anything in them that says, actually, and this is why we're talking about another coach, whether they would come in, whether, uh, for instance, Nathan Jones would come in or something, and, or rip this squad up and say, hang on. You're, playing a, you're right. playing a diamond in midfield. That's what well, you do. Well, you something, do something different. And if he thinks that's right, but is that better for this set of players? Because I don't think his diamond works with the Stoke players. But so would it work with this set? But so that's the thing, I think, to, to, to Thomas Frank's credit, he did change to 4-3-3 um, <clears> halfway through the second half. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday against Preston but even then again it didn't look like the players knew where they were supposed to be because I don't think that system with this crop of players have been practised enough or trained enough mm. but is that the trust thing as well so quickly so you've got you've got to trust these players actually know what they're doing so if you're going to change something mid-game it's quite a risk but if you're going to change it at the beginning of the game when do you that, you're putting them out like that to start with so mm. does, does he trust to move away from this and are we just locked in now isn't that essentially what 
you're paid to do though as a manager right you're paid to coach you're paid to tactically change things I mean if I think of a recent example where that occurred Antonio Conte at Chelsea a few years back Mm. that infamous game against Arsenal they lost 3-1 3-0 whatever it was and after that he went to three at the back they won the title so it does take a brave man to completely change things but perhaps that is what Thomas Frank needs to do and perhaps what he should do because he's the manager of a football club I mean there's a few views about that yes you're right I do believe that I really like the fact that Brentford um, they have a set way they want to play their football they've got a set way you know they look at exactly what's happening out there and then they stick behind um, stick behind their people which is I think is really brilliant because you know I, I said this before I hate the manager conveyor belt mm. where you get managers coming in and out you haven't won for, say, for eight games you're going to get sacked and then they bring the next one in so I think that's really good but on the flip side of it obviously you've got to do some sort of a due diligence thing and the question that sort of you ask is that you know whether or not Thomas Frank is maybe quite stubborn or whether or not he's got just such a set vision that he believes this is the way that needs to be done and I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to teach these players how to do it and it's going to take me longer than I expected but I will stick with it or whether or not you know it's it just it's just not it's just not it just doesn't it's not going right and and he doesn't know how to fix it as such I mean we went to the three at the back and it and like it said, it did seem to fix it, and everyone was really happy, you know. And we did play some fantastic games, mm. some really, really good some games of, the of football. Some of the best you know, we've we played some some great games of football. Yeah. But as you say as well, we kind of seem to be stuck with this system. I thought, I mean, I spoke to to um um I, I spoke to uh, the defender um from um Dulwich Hamlet and Barnsley. Oh, Pinnock. Sorry, I spoke to Ethan Pinnock. Sorry, mine <laughs> <laughs> um, um, blank. Yeah, mine blank. A- AFC Wimbledon. At the beginning of the season, just had a brief chat to him, you know, welcome to, to Brentford. And I said to him, listen, you know, Ethan, so uh, how are you going to be playing? Are you going to be playing, you know, in the, you know, is it three at the back or is it going to be four at the back? And he just went, you know, we're going to be playing three, we're going to be four, we're going to be flipping it up as far as I know, just depending on, you know, and depending on the opposition, depending on the game. So I thought, okay, that's quite interesting. So I was expecting to see a little bit more of a variety this season, but we, we don't seem to have flipped between the three and the four. And I don't, I don't know whether or not it's because, and we've, you know, he, we've brought in, say, for example, Norgard, uh, who's made a sit in front of the, the four, if we've got four at the back, and he doesn't trust Norgard because at the moment now I have to admit Norgard and I've sort of said this for a few weeks now I was really excited about him coming to the team I don't know why he just seemed like the type of player that we thought would be really great he, he didn't have a great um, time at Fiorentina but um, before that he was meant to be really good it's probably because I spoke to a few of my Danish chums and they said that he was a, a really good player at the team that he was beforehand but um, he's coming and he's he hasn't really done what I expected him to do at all. And yes, I know there's this gelling period. It might take me six or eight months, but we're sticking with it and they're sticking with it. And as as time goes on, we're, we're losing time and space. And maybe it's a situation where, again, with the expectation, we expected with the £30 million spent, we're going to be going in there straight playoffs. And we have to turn around and say, as people said in the pub you know, on Saturday, you ain't going anywhere near the playoffs. You know, you're not going up this season. You know, so we might as well just sit back, relax and just let whatever happens and give these players the six months to develop if that's what what they need to. Well, to be fair, to be fair, I think um, whilst we can be a slight, we're all feeling slightly <coughs> doom and gloom about following the um, the Preston defeat. Um, we one thing about Brentford is that we do always we are very proactive. We always have a long term plan in mind. We don't take shortcuts as far as as far as I know. And I don't think Thomas Frank would be sticking with this system with the three at the back if he didn't truly believe it could work. Now. 
other managers might be a bit more reactive and be a bit quicker to change that and be a bit quicker to uh, sort of to move players around and try players in different positions and, and have a plan B, so to speak. I do believe Thomas Frank is stubborn. I, stubborn. I also think he's very meticulous. I also think he's very, very detailed. I think he likes to know the, the long plan long term. And I don't think he would be sticking with the system if he didn't truly believe it would work. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with you to an extent, but I think, I think there's two things at play there. So you're, you're talking about how, firstly, how a coach... Uh, believes the game should be played so that's one thing and then you're looking at players that he has and whether you're looking at the players and this is something I this is something I really frustrated about Dean Smith and his entire tenure whether you, you've got an idea about playing or whether you're looking at the players you have and you're moulding the players uh, into your system or whether you're actually creating a system around your players so that's where that's where I kind of feel like we're, we're falling apart here I think we've got this new crop Absolutely, I don't want to say it, but I don't think any of them suit the three-four-three personally. And we're sticking with this, and it's it's whether we kind of not just let them off the shackles, but are, are we kind of prohibiting them? That's that's the feeling I'm getting. Well, I, you, we were talking about it in, yeah. in the production meeting, so uh, you know, with players like Norgard and Janssen and and Bueno, and do that, does it suit the system? So. Does it suit the system? I tell you what, fellas, I feel a little bit downbeat. We've <laughs> got about 11 minutes left of the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. And after this, we are going to be positive. Yes. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. This is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport Radio. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the boys from Bisotti, Billy the B Grant, XG Dave and Robin Hood. Right, we've got about eight minutes left. I'll tell you what, when we're off air, it's all laughing and joking and all sorts in here. <laughs> no, it isn't. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, you want to continue the discussion? Yeah, just a little discussion, a little point. Just, you know, we were chatting like in the production meeting beforehand and XG Dave, he just made a little comment. He, he, he touched on it a little bit, but he didn't quite go there. But he said, I'm, I'm not quite sure that the team that we've got now is as good as a team that we've had before. We spent thirty million, but I'm not sure if you know, almost like player by player, we're as good as the as the team that we had before. Now, what I mean, what now the question I'm going to ask that because it's quite an important thing is we're very good going in, spotting players, finding out these these unknown players, picking them up for five hundred grand, a million, million and a half, two million pounds, players that people don't want to touch because at our at our level. Of football that we're playing it's too risky for them to go in there because they think oh this player's like one half million can I develop him up but because we know how to do that we take a player for one and a half million two million develop them up they end up becoming 20 million pounds players other teams would rather wait till we've developed them and then pluck them from us so they don't go for those players now when we start to fish in the self six seven eight nine million pound you're actually moving more into the areas where these other players are now these players could be championship players our top championship players they could go to Derby or they or could they go to you know bottom Premier League teams as well so we're, we're playing in a, a different pool so the question I was just thinking about as well is that are we actually better at doing what we were doing before sort of kind of getting the small unearthed jewels and polishing them up rather than actually spending bigger money on these players who are meant to be a little bit more developed but at the end of the day they, they we're moving into a different zone and maybe that's sort of answer the question that you've just said there um, XG Dave Oh yeah, <laughs> you put me in the corner there. But, um, so say what you think, though. Yeah, yeah. So I think last few years, what we've seen is we've we've plucked some pretty much unknowns. It's our scouting system. It's been it's the best around, and we've we've got that. There's a level of player that we've been going for. I think undervalued in other leagues, and they've looked class. I, I think what we're doing now is, and we spoke about this. It was quite terrifying, actually. We we said a while ago we were going to move into that new bracket of player. 
So what you're doing when you're moving up into that bracket is you're expecting a little bit more performance built in and the expectation does go up and I, I'm not sure we're, what, what we've done. I think that the volumes, the, the amounts we're outlaying is, is absolutely massive now. But is the difference in quality what we're spending now from what we were spending a while ago is is it actually that different i i just think but we're i i see i i think it's it's relative it's relative to what we've been selling remember um the the amount that we've been selling players for has increased um sort of in in correlation <laughs> with the amount that we've been spending spending yeah. on players so i wouldn't necessarily say that we've we've been buying expecting that extra quality i think it i think i i see it more as working in correlation with how much we're well, selling no, players i completely for. disagree i, I, I disagree yeah, as well. completely so if you so for instance what you're saying is we're the, the players we bought now, I, I can guarantee you, if you look around the game and at, at the sort of levels they are, they are a higher standard to where we've been. Oh no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not but, disagreeing with them. With them, they should. They should ultimately be a lot better than the the, the sort of the lumps of coal that we've managed yeah. to, um, you know, put under pressure and craft into these wonderful diamonds that we've then sold on for. I'm not disagreeing with that. Mm. I'm saying that I think the, this, the amount of money we've spent and stumped up for transfer fees is sort of direct, and the fact that we've been able to do it is directly in correlation with no, the amount that we've sold. Is, players is, for. That's but, too, yeah. but, but the question, let's, let's take it yeah. another way. Yeah. Just because we make sixty million doesn't mean you have to spend thirty million. You mm. can, you, if you could spend five million yeah. and make those plays brilliant, I think that we get no, ourselves true, actually, caught yeah. up into a fact that oh, we've made more money, so we spend more money. And my argument is that are we still maybe better doing what we did before because we know how to take these players, and also we know that teams aren't after them as hardcore as they are after the other players and they also know as well when we go for them that we could turn them into a male pay but you know what I'm how, how, how long can we keep doing that for until other 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 clubs start following that model well, so i think we've had we've had to sort of maybe make a bit more of a statement you know when we when when we signed pontus it was and the, the whole thing it was it is a statement we are making a statement that we are actually really going for it this season well the statement was we're actually getting players who are ready players who have did played did we say that though I don't think they the club said it, that but I think we, they didn't need to say that We obviously, that's obvious. you don't sign Pontus Janssen who's meant to be the best defender in the championship without saying basically we're going to sign the best defender in the championship that's what we were saying well I would argue that he, he, he's not really the problem Okay. Well, so, no, so, who, so who is the problem? So, well, the, well, the, the problem the problem is that we've got, as I said, we've got a lot of um, players that are, are being in, having to be integrated into the squad, and with the with the additional price tags and with all the extra uh, and all the higher the higher fees that we paid for them comes as they've said added expectation, added pressure, and added um, expectations from the fans. Um, so, but I, I wouldn't necessarily. So, 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 so you're saying that basically we should buy spend more money on them. But not expect anything. We should just that's just no. That's, that's absolutely not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I think that we need to, in a similar fashion to how we've spent, you know, how we used to spend, you know, seven hundred grand on a player, develop them into a a twenty million pounds um, over sale, two years, over two years, that kind of thing. We gave those players time, okay. and I think we have to, in some way, and, and admittedly, we, we have higher expectations, and we have to um, expect a quicker introduction and implementation and, and integration into the side but I do think some of these players do need time and I, I go back to the thing that, uh, earlier on it's really interesting you bring up time so that's what you essentially that's what you're doing so you're doubling all your outlay on players you're you're shrinking the amount of time it takes yeah. them to adapt to this league it's, but, been, it's been seven it's what seven games yeah, yeah it's been seven games but what I think we're already getting clear signs of what we actually have outlaid is it was seven games in now so they've had pre-season as well so some of them I, I yeah. think the the amounts we've outlaid have probably not got us but the players that we probably thought and are going to get there as quick as we as we thought. That's what I'm kind of getting at. It's, so I'll just bring him up quickly. So it's the guy Bielica. We've spoken about him loads in this podcast before. Mm. Lots of EFL experience. <laughs> um, he went to Derby for ten million pounds. Mm. So if what you're really looking at is 
what we're spending sort of the threes, fours, fives. You're you're for, for Norgard, in fact. Yeah, the yeah. players Norgard, Jensen, um, good players, great potential, but they've basically had a year off for the last twelve months. They've done absolutely nothing. So you're trying to nurse them back, and with that extra outlay, you you are paying to say that these players are good. They can get back quicker. They won't take twelve months. They might take six, or they might take three. Yeah. If you do go into that next bracket of, say, a 10 million, or you try and, oh, maybe we could have got him from eight, eight and he's desperate to come to Brentford, that's that's kind of a different mark. And that's where you're getting that guarantee level of performance quicker. And have, have we caught, I just feel like we, we're kind of caught in between a little bit. And it's going to be a tricky, <laughs> could be a tricky six months. Fellas, it's a fascinating debate. We could carry on for another hour doing this. We could do yeah. all, all this Premier League nonsense that you keep talking about. What's that all about? EFL's where it's at. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think another another point just to quickly make on that is, does it upset the dressing room? I don't know. When players come in for a lot of money and you've got the players there who have got Brentford to where they are, on again, like, smaller wages lower fees. Uh, they're grown men they're no? professional footballers yeah, they no, sh- shouldn't affect I don't think at Brentford no I think the harmony's there I think as soon as that wasn't there you'd see heads rolling I think the harmony's there at the moment mm. yeah okay well this has been the Brentford Fan Show Billy plugs as always besotted pride of west london podcast thursday seven o'clock in the morning it will be there this time actually international weeks always cause a few problems but it'll be there this week so pride of west dot london we've got to decide a pub tomorrow to go to we've been drinking orange juice since preston thank you very much preston lads and lasses for uh, doing that to us and thank you for the butter pies they were absolutely delicious we will be back we'll be back drinking a few hours on, on on wednesday night to give you a podcast on thursday to talk about the stoke game on Saturday we're giving you a little Stoke preview as well of course Stoke without a win in the championship so far this season uh, and just to end on a happy note um, <laughs> it's one of our besotted crew's uh, birthday today with the Headwood so happy birthday uh, happy birthday there happy, you go uh, the Headwood happy, happy birthday. birthday to the Headwood right this positive has been, ending there you uh, that's what we like to see yes <laughs> it's been the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport where the boys <laughs> from besotted will be back next Monday at 8pm hopefully with some some cheer yeah, hey you be Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.